This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons by Rev. Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Christians, this Lenten season, we are going to look at the Old Testament. Specifically, we're going to look at Old Testament lessons that point forward to the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it just so happens that the Old Testament lesson appointed for today, Ash Wednesday, is one of those great Old Testament lessons. It comes to us from the book of Joel. Now I bet that for you, Joel is a easily overlooked book. It only comes up in our church year today. Well, I guess Pentecost, St. Peter preaches on it, but for us, we only hear it today, Ash Wednesday. Have you read the book of Joel? It doesn't take very long. It's only a few chapters. I'd encourage you to do so. Joel writes because there's a plague going on, a plague of locusts. Clouds and clouds of locusts have come to Judah and are destroying every single living plant. Joel says it this way. First, the cutting locusts came and killed all the crops. Then the swarming locusts ate what they missed. Then the hopping locusts, then the destroying locusts. Every type of locust you can imagine has come, and every type of vegetation, yielding its seed to the sower and fruit to the eater, was gone. The locusts had left nothing. Joel says it this way, Before we were like the Garden of Eden, but now we are a desolate wilderness. In fact, the situation was so dire that Joel compares those locusts to an invading army on war horses bent on destruction. Things were so bad that Joel says the sun was blotted out by the clouds of locusts flying above. Darkness covered the land. I think we can understand with our modern mindset how big a deal a swarm and plague of locusts would be. But for Joel, it's even bigger than we imagine. Joel acknowledges there's no food for the people to eat, and that's bad. But that's not his main concern. Joel acknowledges that the livestock will probably starve to death also, having no forage to sustain them. But that's not his main concern. Joel writes word for word, I'm quoting here, the drunkards will have no wine to drink because the vines have been chewed to the nubs. But that is not his main concern. 
What makes Joel worried? What makes him sad? What makes him write this prophecy from the Lord is this fact. That because there is no wheat left, there can be no grain or bread offering in God's temple. There can be no oil offering because the olive trees have been eaten away. There can be no wine offering at church because there is no wine. The plants are all gone, so they can't be used to worship the one true God. That's what's keeping Joel up at night. And with no plants and the livestock starving to death, there can also be no bulls, no goats, no sheep, no doves offered as sin sacrifices. There can be no blood shed in God's house. There can be no forgiveness of sins because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Joel's concern is church. The famine destroys everything about people's lives, not just killing them by starving them. So what's the solution? What do people do? We modern people would think, well, just go out and put down some chemicals to kill the locusts. Just go out and smoke them out so that they won't eat your crops. Maybe that would work. But that's not the solution that Joel offers. Maybe the people of Judah should form an army and go and invade the neighboring territories to steal their wheat, to steal their livestock, to bring it back to Judah and thereby have food to eat and gifts to offer to God. That's not Joel's solution either. What does Joel suggest that the people of Judah do? You heard it from our Old Testament lesson. Joel says they need to repent. To return to the Lord with all their hearts, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Joel tells them, Rend your hearts, not your garments. To rend your heart literally means to open up your inside and look at who you are. To look at your sin. When you've looked inside and seen who you are, a sinner... To confess that sin before God. Joel begs them to speak the truth 
about who they are and what they've done against God's word, to see how they've failed according to God's word, to cut out the wickedness, the foulness, the impiety, and the love of self and return to God. Joel, as a solution to famine, to destruction, plague offers the solution of repentance. After all, God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So Joel blows the trumpet, gathers the people together. The assembly is consecrated. The priests and the ministers weep, and they shout out, Spare your people, O Lord! Make not your heritage a reproach, nor a byword among the nations. And when the people repent... Joel tells us what happened. He says, The Lord became jealous for his land. The Lord had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. You shall praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall not be put to shame. I will avenge their blood. In summary, God's people face a plague. God's people repent And God makes what went wrong right. It sounds simple, right? That's what Joel is teaching us. But we live in a different day, in a different world. We live in the end times, looking forward to Christ's return. And it just so happens that when we look forward to Christ's return, we hear another vision of locusts invading. Compare what we've heard from Joel with what John sees in the book of Revelation. When he sees a picture of the end times, the time that we now live in. St. John writes in Revelation chapter 9 that he sees the skies darkened with a swarm of locusts over all the earth. Only these locusts are not cutting and jumping and swarming upon the plants. These locusts are after flesh, harming God's people causing them torment and suffering because of their sin. And with the locusts comes a real military invasion. And St. John says that by these things, by these plagues, 
a third of mankind was killed. Locusts, destruction, suffering, just like Joel saw. But in John's vision, there's one thing that's different. John tells us in Revelation that even though suffering arose, the people did not repent. That even though countless numbers of them had died, the people did not rend their hearts. They did not confess their sins. So much so that God spoke woe against them three separate times. And then John says this, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. And as a result, they died. Died forever. Died in hell. Today, we stand at a crossroads as the season of Lent is about to begin. Today, we ask ourselves the question who are we? Are we sinners? And if we are, what should we do? We live in a very chaotic time. Seems to be increasing every day. Do you watch the news? Do you see what's going on around us? No, there's not locusts everywhere, at least not yet. But we have faced plague, haven't we? Plague of a different type. One that, as Joel was worried about, has kept us from worshiping God properly, right? Churches have been restricted and pressured. People have been turning away from attending worship. Even here in Lincoln, even at some of our own Missouri Synod congregations, I know this. People have been turned away from coming to church. Even here at Good Shepherd, attendance has been down. The bread and the wine of worship hasn't been observed and treated properly, not by all our members. 
Just the last few weeks, perhaps you've seen in the news, even our own local government, our own city council members are trying to fine and perhaps imprison pastors for speaking what God says about some Sixth Commandment issues. No, there's no army invading our land right now, but we see it happening in another land on TV. We see the destruction, the suffering, the weeping, the crying. And because of it, we feel a very real fear that that conflict could come to us by missile, by world war. And what else do we see? Inflation. Pastor Poppy sent me a picture of a local gas station. He said the price went up 40 cents a gallon just today. St. John speaks about this in Revelation. A quart of barley for a day's wages? Hardly enough to feed a family. Dear friends, the day of the Lord is drawing near. We are in the end times. Who are we? Do not think that you have not sinned. Do not think that you have not fallen short according to God's word. You have. I have. God's glory, the holiness he demands, is beyond our capabilities. We are sinners. Open your heart. Look inside yourself. What do you see? Sin, lots of sin. Sin every day. Hatred. Malice, selfishness, impiety, and fear. We've been sexually immoral. We've murdered in our hearts. We've abused with our hands. Yes, our own hands have fed our addictions. Whether social media, sexual perversion, greed, or malice, we have done wrong. Our relationship with God has not been right. And at times we've even worshipped things that aren't God at all. And there's only one solution. That's the crossroads that we stand at. There's only one solution. We must repent. Repent of our sin. Repent of our wickedness. We can either do that and repent of our sin, or we can harden our heart and die. So God begs you today. Ash Wednesday, dear Christian, to repent. 
Repent this entire Lenten season. Open your soul, rend your heart, and speak the truth about yourself. That's why you have ashes on your forehead. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. That's why we began our service with corporate confession and absolution, because we've sinned and we know it, and God knows it too. We need to be Forgiven. Repent. 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 And with your hearts rent open and confessing the truth according to God's word about yourself, look forward. To the great day of the Lord. Good Friday. On that day, the sky was darkened, not with locusts, not with smoke from battle and war, instead, by God, who had placed all of your sin. Upon the shoulders of his son, Jesus Christ, and then abandoned him as you deserved. The plague of your sin he bore, even as spiteful, sinful words were hurled at him, mocking him, calling him a failure, and begging him to get down from the cross. Your sin was upon him as nails pierced his hands and feet, and a spear pierced his side, and blood flowed out, sacrificial blood. God provided the sacrifice in the days of Joel. He provided it for us as well. In Jesus. The book of Joel tells us about this as well. Joel says this, and I quote, The Lord roars from Zion. The Lord utters his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth quake. But... The Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. Dear Christian, these words were fulfilled at the death of Jesus, who shouted out about your sin, it is finished. And as he gave up his spirit with a loud voice, the heavens and the earth shook. curse of the darkness of our sin was lifted. The wrong that we had done was taken away. And we were promised life. Dear Christian, that's what Lent is all about of our sins, 
keeping our eyes on Jesus, crucified and risen for us. Repent this Lenten season. Repent in the face of all the death and plagues that surround you. Repent in the face of war and destruction. Repent and rend your hearts, cutting out the sinful actions that fill you so that God can be your refuge, so that God can sustain you, so that God can give you what you need in this life, and so that God can be the sacrifice to keep your worship and your faith pure and holy. Dear Christian, repent and live. That's what Joel wants. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This has been With Intrepid Heart Sermons by Pastor Adam Moline. The words, With Intrepid Hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord where it is written, By God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it.